Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thank God. Revelation chapter number 8, verses 1 and 2. We'll read that, and then I'll let you be seated here this evening. The Bible says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Tonight, I'd like to speak to us. Remember, we've had the seven seals, so we're picking back up that last seal right here. The seventh seal and four trumpets. Uh, here tonight uh, we'll talk about this is part seven and among our other letterings among there we've done this about I think lesson number 11 thus far in the book of Revelation we'll ask God to help us tonight Father I come to you this evening God I'm blessed Lord to be here God you've allowed me Jesus another day upon this earth and God I'm appreciative of it pray oh God help our hearts and minds God as I often pray on Wednesday nights God grant us understanding and enlightenment I pray oh Lord God those of the hearers God early on in this book we said Lord blessed are they who read it God and who hear of this book I pray God let that come to pass in our individual lives Lord now thank you and praise you for it in Jesus name that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen you may be uh, seated here this evening we left off we left off uh, studying the sixth seal in Revelation chapter number six. I know that may seem a long time ago, but we left off studying the sixth seal and then went to chapter seven to answer the question that we were left in, left with in chapter number six. In chapter seven, dealing with the sealing of the 144,000, uh, which we understood their sealing was for the protection and they were Jews and if you'll remember, I know it might be a little difficult through all the hoops, but if you'll remember in chapter number 7, uh, whenever the sealing of the 144,000 was going to take place, there were four angels that were going to come down and uh, do some judgment. There was going to be some havoc uh, that took place, but the Bible basically said that they were withheld or they were restrained for a moment until these 144,000 Jews uh, were sealed because that was for their protection. So uh, those 12,000 from each tribe was chosen and they were sealed and the angels didn't come with their hurt, hurt of the grass, if you'll remember, and hurt of the sea, it said to hurt them not. And so now that those are sealed, in chapter number 7, the restraint that was put upon those angels now can come forth. So some of these things such as the earth and the sea can now be hurt. We have looked at just a little bit. Some people believe that the seals, trumpets, and bowels all take place at the same time. At the same time. And there's others that believe, and I'm, I probably lean more toward this myself, and that is whenever you read the Scripture, it seems like out of the seventh seal then comes the seven trumpets, and then out of the seven trumpet comes the seven vials, so that the, the seventh seal isn't finished until the last vial is finished. So it's like the opening up of that seventh seal involves these other 14 judgments contained within the seal and then the seal was uh, so much for uh, so and so forth done and complete that it has the final judgment so that's almost a little progression of how it seems like it takes place or that I can even read it in scripture but as a result in Revelation 8 as at the opening of the seventh seal there is something that happens 
The Bible says there is silence in heaven for the space of about a half an hour. And this is, and, and, and this is quite bewildering, really, if you begin to think about it, because thus far in heaven, what's been taking place in heaven, we have seen 24 elders worshiping. We've heard songs that have been sung. We've seen the four beasts in activity. There has been, uh, in my estimation, a lot of noise, uh, worship, uh, songs that have been taking place in heaven at different times, instruments, harps, and such that have been involved and played. And all of this has been happening uh, from these various groups of people. Even we see singing and such happening from the number that no man can number. So that's going to be, that's going to have some volume with it. That's going to be uh, quite, quite loud, I would think, to say the least. And we have all of this commotion, as it would seem, that's been happening in heaven. Praise and worship and, and songs and instrumentation taking place for them. Boom, the seal, uh, uh, the seventh seal is over. Open and there's silence. Now you can imagine all the commotion that we've seen for all of a sudden there is silence. Amen in heaven. Everybody be quiet. Some people was really uncomfortable during those 10 seconds. That was 10 seconds of silence. Multiply that by 180 times, and that's what you have in heaven. After there's been a bunch of praise and worship and music and commotion, nobody's speaking a word. It's almost like, and there's just silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Amen. Now, there's a lot of speculations. What is this, this silence in heaven? And I don't know if we'll know for sure. The Bible doesn't plainly tell us this is what the silence was. Uh, one old light-hearted elder from years ago reasoned and said that the reason why there's, there was silence in heaven, it proved that there was no women in heaven. Now, I'm... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you better listen. You never know what might come out of my mouth. That's what the old elder said many years ago. <clears throat> But however, there's others that speculate that all of heaven will be astonished by what is coming in the seventh seal. Because in that seventh seal, the seven trumpets and the seven vials and judgment, as we have seen, it begins to intensify. Remember, it's the start of the birthing pains and they are becoming, the contractions are getting closer together and more severe. And so the intensity of the judgment is heightening. And it's almost, some believe that whenever they see that seventh seal open and the things that come pouring forth out of that in the way of judgment, that maybe it even astounds all of those of the heavenlies to realize the judgment that's about ready to be uh, poured out upon the earth. Kind of like the proverbial peace before the storm uh, takes place and happening. But there's something else that we can consider, and this is what I lean to personally more than anything. But whenever you read Revelation 8, John is seeing a few different things here. He's seeing the seal, seventh seal open. He's seeing the seven angels with the seven trumpets preparing themselves uh, to sound the trumpets. But also with that, he sees another angel, the Bible says. And this angel has a censer in his hand. A censer was for uh, transporting hot coals, more or less. And there was a censer in his hand. 
and he's approaching what seems to be the golden altar of incense in the heavenlies. You remember that what is in the heavenlies was just reflected on the earth and the earthly temples and tabernacles. And so this angel is approaching the golden altar of incense in the heavenlies that's before the throne. And, and uh, he has much incense, the Bible says, and the prayers of all the saints. And he's going to offer that upon the altar, if you will, as an aroma. Let loose of those prayers of the saints and the incense as aroma before the throne room of God and people scholars and people that studied a Jewish history and so on and so forth they say A.R. Fossa uh, says this he says in the Jewish temple musical instruments and singing resounded during the whole time of the offering of sacrifices which formed the first part of the service but at the offering of incense solemn silence was kept In other words, there's a lot of activity and worship and noise while they were at uh, the brazen the, the brazen altar and the laver and the candlestick and the shoe bread but whenever they got to the altar of incense there was like a holy hush that fell upon any everyone. And so this angel in heaven is doing that role. He's doing that office up there uh, performing that row in that office and so perhaps the silence is in association with that during that time you even remember Zechariah in the book of Luke chapter number one it was his responsibility to serve in that office and he went in uh, and usually you only was able to perform there was different courses I can't go into all that but usually you only acted in that office once in your entire life and the people he was so long in there that they even were a little skeptical because he had been so long in there and usually there were just prayers silently that were taking place in the outside until uh, the sacrifice that was on the brazen altar was taken up and they knew that something had ta- had happened or taken place but nevertheless with the birth of or birth from the seventh seal then is you can't might be able to see that is the seven trumpets and I had them as ram horns because a lot of times when trumpet was spoken of in Old Testament scripture that was what it was an old ram horn but the, the trumpets were the trumpets of the seven angels now are making preparations to sound and we've seen before there is a lot involvement of trumpets in the scriptures in the lives of Israelites throughout the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, they were used with a lot of very important events throughout scriptures. Now, I don't want anybody to, uh, you know, get real happy. I know my, my sister, maybe my, my, my nephew will. But for my, for my looking, trumpets may have been the most used or most considerable instrument in all of scripture. Uh, with, with stringed instruments running maybe a close second or the harp a close second because of the use of instruments throughout Scripture. Uh, sometimes, again, we've seen and we've, we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating that trumpet signaled maybe a time of war or an assembly or they sometimes sounded for certain feast days. They many times heralded kings and the approaching of kings or the crowning of kings. Not everybody could be at the coronation of a king, but they would sound a trumpet whenever the the, the crown was placed on his head and that let all of the kingdom know that the king has been crowned. But they have also been accompanied, as we've seen at Mount Sinai, with the law being distributed to the children of Israel, which that law was in essence a judgment on the sin of the children or the nation of Israel. And so trumpets are associated also with, in Scripture with judgment as well. And of course, before the first trumpeter ever sounds, 
the angel was seen, as I've already mentioned, of putting the fire in the censer. And he's taken that censer and he has cast it down to the earth. The Bible says whenever it gets there that there are voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake, which is a quartet that we've seen before. Voices and lightnings and thunderings and an earthquake we've seen happen before. I want to pause here this evening that I believe that it's in our best interest as is with all the study of the book of Revelation but it's our best interest to interpret uh, the trumpets and what happened there as literal unless something presents itself that it should not be interpreted literally. Uh, One reason why I say that is because we're going to see within the seven trumpets there's going to be some things that take place that are very similar to some of the plagues that took place in the time of the exodus whenever the plagues came upon Egypt. And when we look and study the plagues of Egypt, when we look at them, we accept each and every one of them as a literal happening. We believe there was frogs that got in their ovens and got in their bedding. We believe that the water turned into blood. We believe that the the death of the firstborn indeed happened. We believe all these things took place. We believe them and take them as literal. And so there is no reason why the judgments here in Revelation, which some of them mirror those plagues very closely, should not be taken literal as well within the trumpets or within the vials because there are some similarities. I think there's at least five, if you could look at it, at least five of the ten plagues that seem to be mirrored in the Revelation scripture of the trumpets and the vials that were taking place back during the time of Egypt with the ten plagues. If I can, I know, and is this, I know it's all right, I'm the pastor. Anyway, because our kids not long ago just studied the ten plagues of Egypt. I know this with certainty. Kids, can you, can you look up here for a moment? Because I'm going to see if they can help me. They might not. They're busy coloring and because they usually just ignore Wednesday night because it's boring for kids. Can any of you name one of the ten plagues of Egypt? He can? What's one of them, buddy? Say, I don't know. Anybody? What is it? She's got the Ten Commandments going. Ten plagues of Egypt. Who said? That's right. Trevor said frogs. The ten plagues of Egypt, if you'll remember, you might not be able to see all of them. Uh, Blood was turned to water. There was frogs. There was lice. There was the flies that came upon the land. Uh, There was... Uh, also the, 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 the disease among the livestock boils came upon man and beast. There was hell that came from the heaven, took the trees and the crop. There was locusts. There was darkness that fell upon the earth. And then there was the killing of the firstborn. All right. If you look at verse number 7, I hope you just keep your Bibles open to Revelation 8 in your lap because I'm not going to necessarily throw verses from there up there. You're just going to have to look down on your lap. I know, bring your Bibles, you got to use them. I'm asking a lot, it's all right. All right, Revelation chapter number 8 and verse number 7 is where the first trumpeter comes forth and sounds the trumpet of the first trumpet here that is spoken of. And whenever the first trumpet is sounded by the angel of the Lord, there are a few things that happen there in Scripture. The Bible speaks that there is hell and fire that comes up on the earth that's mingled with blood and what this does this affects no doubt the earth it says that a third of the trees are burned up and it notably says all everybody say all all green grass was burnt up as well now we're looking at this literally for one reason in the old testament we saw 
We saw it one time through Sodom and Gomorrah that hellfire and brimstone, as it were, fire and brimstone fell from heaven. We accept that story as literally in the Old Testament. Not only that, we saw during the plagues of Egypt that hell, one of the plagues, was that hell would fall from heaven. And as a matter of fact, if you look at Exodus 9, where that took place, and I just went back and refreshed my mind with it, the Bible says that there, we, we call it was the plague of hell. That's true. The Bible says that fire ran along the ground concerning that time. It even speaks that there was fire mingled with the hell in the Old Testament plague that took place in that day. And so there's other places even in the Scripture, such as the Psalms, you can read about hell coming upon a, a, a land, and it's usually, most times, it does not stand by itself, but it is grouped with fire all throughout the Scripture. And so whenever we read that, then I believe I can accept this latter day after we're gone happening, being that there's literally going to be hell and there's going to be fire, amen, mingled with blood as it were, that is going to fall upon the earth in that day. Now, in the Old Testament plague in the book of Exodus, the hell, the Bible says, left some herbs of the ground and left some fruit of the trees. It didn't take out all the herbs or take out all the fruit of the trees. It left some because they ate part of that that was left. So it speaks of very frankly in Exodus 9 that there were left some herbs of the ground and some fruits of the trees. And similarly, whenever this hell and fire falls upon the earth, it's only going to take one-third of the trees are going to be burned up, but all the green grass is going to be burnt up. Amen. Uh, the plague in Egypt uh, affected not only in Egypt now, in Egypt, affected not only the vegetation, but it also affected man and beast, according to Exodus 9. It didn't just touch the vegetation, but affected man and beast. Now, in this scripture, in the book of Revelation, the hell, fire, and brimstone as, it, as, it, as, it, as we see it, it's not mentioned that it affects man. It's not mentioned that it affects beasts. But the Bible says and uses the phrase that it's mingled with blood. So there could be a possibility, Bishop, that that terminology of hell and fire mingled with blood may be what's being implied there concerning the death of animals and the death of humans because of the hell and the fire. That's a possibility. Maybe it is smiting some of them. But nevertheless, whenever we look that this is taking place, there is going to be in the trumpets, what's taking place in the trumpets, there is going to be a ripple effect uh, with what happens with our ecosystem, folks. Because we have a very, uh, most would agree that we have a very delicate and fragile ecosystem in our world. And so for water measures to get less or more, heat and temperatures to vary outside of their normal variant is going to impact the ecosystem of our world. Slight changes on any level to any degree can have great overall implications. And so whenever you're talking about a third of the trees burn up of the world that's helping with producing what needs to be produced in our atmosphere that is life for you and I, that's going to mess with how life is lived. That's going to mess with a lot of things when you take away a third of the greenery, and for that matter, all the green grass is burned up as well. 
So we're, we're, we got the oxygen, dioxygen thing, uh, uh, carbon monoxide, and all these matters, you know, that's taking place through the process of green plants and green stuff that's going to be dealt with. Now, some have difficulty with the fact that all green grass is going to be burnt up. All right? Well, first of all, think with me. All, everybody say all. Everybody say green. Green grass. I think you need to understand that the all pertains to the green grass. Have you ever had green grass in your lawn and brown grass? All right. What I'm saying is there's times that different parts of the world, they might have the lush green grass, and there's other times that it might be during a period of dormancy that it isn't green, but it's brown, and it's during a time of deadness and dormancy. Well, at this time, whatever green grass there is, it's all going to be burned up. But you know what? I've seen grass that was brown that didn't stay brown either. All right? Just think with here for a moment. The reason why some people have problem with this all green grass burn up, they think all the grass is burned up. Well, all the green grass is burned up. All right? Because see, later in Revelations 9, in verse number 4 particularly, we read about then the existence of grass. And they say, well, how in the world can there be the existence of grass if all the grass burned up? Well, all the green grass burned up. Someone hearing me right now? So how can this be? Well... Folks, there can be stuff that's burned up in one moment. It's according to how much time is given. It can relive again later. Is that not right? Brother Fred, those fires out west that somehow just ruin, as it would seem, the greenness and lushness of a florist floor in a few years might be more fertile than what it was before. Just because it's burned up in this moment didn't say it was going to stay burned up. All right? So there's a possibility that between then and now, maybe it will reseed or, you know, the root system underneath all that fire is still intact, all right, and has the ability of regrowing. But nevertheless, if you burn up all the green grass, it's going to take a while for that to take place. That's going to affect the ecosystem of our world. Amen? All right. So, so we have then this, this first trumpet sounds, hell and Folks, later in the book of Revelation, we see this hell element coming again. And we'll see that it weighs about a talent. We're not talking about, you know, sleet-sized stuff that you get that's, that puts little dents in cars. We're talking about stuff that would demolish a car with one hailstone. <laughs> All right? Amen. And so this will happen later in the book of Revelation. That is the first trumpet. So this is happening upon the world. And here's something we've got to realize concerning the trumpets. All right? I don't know how long, I don't know how long a space of time that's going to take place. I don't know for how long hell and fire is going to be falling. Is it going to be a few days? I don't know. Is it going to be several months? I don't know. But I guarantee you it'll be as long as it takes to get a third of the trees burn up and all the green grass burn up. Now, I don't know how long that, that happened, but could you imagine living for a few days with hell and fire falling from the sky? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Amen. Don't care to be a part of that. Amen. <laughs> if I knew it was coming, I think I'd kill my grass before it ever got there, just so I wouldn't have to continue. You know what I'm saying? Make my grass brown or something. <laughs> I'm trying to just be a little lighthearted here. All right. Then if we go on, the second trumpet, verses 8 through 9, the second trumpet describes a great mountain, something as it were, let me more plainly say, as it were a great mountain, burning with fire, lands in the sea, it affects the sea, and this is what happens as a result of it. 
this third thing's happening around here and through the trumpets. A third of the sea became blood. A third of the creatures in the sea died. That serves the reason, doesn't it? A third of the ships were destroyed. Now, again, every word counts in Scripture. As it were a great mountain went to the sea. Some people's talking about mountains going into the sea. It didn't say a mountain fell in the sea. It said as it were. It's a similarity, a likeness. As it were a great mountain. It's a word picture for us. It's a word picture for whoever reads it. We can understand the size and the magnitude of whatever it is that's falling into the sea because whenever we look at a mountain, that is gargantuous. That is huge. And we can understand the magnitude and the size of something then. Well, something of that magnitude, take the biggest mountain you can think of, or the smallest one for that matter, and just think of that huge of a mass falling into the sea and it's on fire. Now that serves the reason because it's more likely that this is coming from the celestial, this is coming from the galaxy, anything that enters our atmosphere is going to catch on fire. All right? The shuttle, even it enters, you see the little fire and it has protective plates and different things that keeps it from any asteroid or any meteor that comes that's going to catch on fire. We could explain all that. It's scientifically possible and it happens. So if it's going to come to our atmosphere, it's going to be on fire. And so it comes, it lands in the sea, all right? And it says that it takes a third of the sea and a third of the sea became blood. Now some, I don't know if they just you know, don't want to come to terms with what really is happening here. Some people want to lessen the effect that this great mass that's falling into the sea has upon the sea because they're saying, well, it falls into the sea and a third of the sea looks like blood. Now, that's not what the Scripture says. It doesn't say a third of the sea looked as it were blood. That's not what it was. He said a third of the sea became blood. The words as it were are not used like it just was a little bit earlier, all right? As it was just a little bit earlier. For that matter, again, Old Testament Exodus, the plagues, blood, water turned to blood. We accept that. Literally happened. What's the difference than that being able to happen now? God is no different. God still God sets upon the center of the earth. The, 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 the sea becoming blood. Now, this was interesting just for something of us to chew on. Thomas Constable said this. He said, literally, it could become blood. He said, I understand that the only chemical difference between seawater and blood is that blood contains an iron molecule that is absent in seawater. Perhaps the mountain-like mass, meteor maybe perhaps, will provide that molecule resulting in a change in the chemical composition of the sea. Now, that's interesting to me. Perhaps it could. Perhaps I don't have nothing to do with it. Perhaps God just makes it blood. Amen. But nevertheless, you, don't, you tell me for a moment if that's not going to make Fox News. You tell me for a moment, honey, you, you're going to have news feeds going off the charts whenever hell and fire is falling from heaven. You know what, God? He's trying to get the attention of namely his people, the Jews. He's trying to, but for that matter, he's trying to get the attention of any people that will wake up and listen all this stuff is happening this is abnormal wake up there is a divine power that is at work here you're not your own God and there is a God amen 
trying to get the, 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 if you will, the attention of the world. So a third of the sea became blood. Some even speculate the sea will appear as blood because the water, listen to me now, the water will be reflecting the amber color of the blazing mass that's coming to the water. Now, come on, folks. You know, it's whenever I read the sequence of the Scripture, it's like this mass comes to the water, and as a result of that, it turns to blood. It's not as it's coming, it looks like. You understand what I'm saying? You, you just got to really uh, just watch out for people because they just throw all kinds of stuff out there. Others believe maybe the water turns to blood because of the one-third creatures that are dead in it now. Maybe that causes it to look or appear as blood. But again, water turned to blood in the Old Testament. It can happen in the revelation of time yet to come as well. In the Old Testament, their streams, their rivers, the river Nile, their ponds, their pools, all of that turned to blood. All right, it all, all of their fresh water, all of their drinking water turned to blood. But here, a third of the salt water, the seas, will become blood. Amen. And so water is turned to blood. And, and then a third of the creatures in the sea die. Uh, in the book of Exodus with the plagues, the fish, the Bible said the fish died in the Nile River. And it said that the river stank. Stink, stunk, stank. It stank. I don't know. The people that's been around blood or dried blood, blood, it stinks after a while. Blood has a very poignant smell whenever it's, it's just been there, lying there, it's aged. It stinks. Now, if you can consider one-third of the water upon the earth being blood, whenever the better portion of earth is made up of water. Well, let me tell you, it ain't going to be a time you want to set out on the porch. There's going to be a stink. There's going to be a smell associated with all of that. And it's the judgment of God. And I'm trying to make this a little light, you know, lighthearted, but the, the seriousness of the matter is there's going to be people here experiencing all of that. The seriousness of the matter, if we don't fly right, we'll be experiencing that. The realness of the matter. And so this mass hits, and so there's a third there of the creatures that die because of that. And that makes sense. And even if their water turns into blood, it makes sense they won't be able to live in that type of environment or atmosphere. And again, look at the effect of the ecosystem. Now we have a third of the trees that's affected, a third of the grass that's burned up, and a third of the, of the seawater that is affected. And a third of the things that live in the sea affected. Now that's going to start hitting people's homes and people's houses. Their health, might I even say. It's going to affect the whole dynamic of life. Additionally, it says a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, this is an old, old fact from Warren Wiersbe, but just consider, he says, as of January 1st, 1981, there were 24,867 ocean-going merchant ships. I'm sure that's probably went up since then, registered. He said, imagine the shockwaves that would hit the shipping industry if 8,289 valuable ships were suddenly destroyed, and what about their cargoes, whatever they had on them? A third gone. Now, what, what's happening here? What's happening with this third that is gone, that is obsolete? I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just, this is one of those could-be possibility. I don't know. But could it be that if there is a mass, as it were a mountain, that entered the sea, you know what major earthquakes does to our sea and waters and what comes as a result of those, don't you? Tsunamis, 
tidal waves. I wonder what would happen as it were a mountain-sized mass burning enters the sea. What type, you know, I, I throw rocks into a pond and get ripples. I've never thrown a mountain into a pond or into a body of water. But imagine, if you will, for a moment, the type of ripple effect that a mass that size could have upon even the sea or the ocean. And then that to compound whatever vessels, at least a third, that were upon the sea to lose out, no longer on sea, no longer with their cargo, whether it be oil, merchandise, food. Uh huh. Think about all the transporting that takes place upon the sea from country to country. We're not, and see, with that, you're not just talking about, well, that just affected America, or that just affected Japan, or that just affected China. No, that affected everybody. Everybody's exporting and importing and at times using seaborne vessels to do so. The third trumpet, I'm trying to hurry here, but I'm not doing a good job. The third trumpet that issues forth in verses 10 through 11, it describes a great star that falls, it fell, it's burning as it were a lamp. See, there's the similarity, as it were a lamp, or uh, it's also interpreted torch. The star has a name. The star's called Wormwood. This burning star that falls look now it affects the rivers and fountains of water here's something important to note the the thing as it were a great mountain that fell affected the sea water or salt water this star that falls affects rivers and fountains of waters it affects the fresh water potable water drinking water so a third it says then of that water became wormwood, which we'll look at here in a little bit. A third of it became wormwood. That's what the stars called wormwood. A third of the fresh water becomes that. And it's here then that we see a specific, it's explicitly said that many men die. Well, you know, that goes to reason, but I'm glad they said that because this is affecting men's drinking water. And so when men's drinking water are affected, well, you are what you drink. <laughs> Uh, you are affected as well. Now, this word translated lamp or torch as it were. The ancients, the ancients used that word lamp or torch describing this star that was falling as it were a lamp or torch. The ancients used this word to describe meteors and comets. So it's possible that this star is a meteor or a comet. Nevertheless, it's a great star, the scripture says. Its name is Wormwood. And the prophet Jeremiah may have had already foretold a little bit about this day that is yet to come in Jeremiah chapter number 9 and verses 13 through 15. Jeremiah prophesies and says this, and he says, And the Lord saith, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them, even this people, Israel he's speaking of, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. 
So God says, I, I'm going to feed them with wormwood. I'm going to give them the water of gall or corrupt waters, if you will. Poisonous even that will see waters to drink. Why? Because they forsook my law. They did not obey my voice. They did not walk where I told them to walk. What, what is this, God? This is judgment for disobedience upon my people. And as it was spoken then, so it will be in that day. This coming as a mode of judgment and correction for disobedience, for not hearkening, for, for forsaking the, wall, the, the law, for not walking therein. Now, wormwood, I'm sure everybody keeps some of this in their cabinet. You know, just like a spice. <laughs> it is an herb. It's known as the most bitterest herb known unto man. Its name comes from when in some manner, either as a medicine or used in medicine, it was used to help kill intestinal worms, therefore wormwood, okay? I don't know how they used it because it is, it is classified as being poisonous. Now, folks, let's reason here for a moment. We could do several days without food. There's been people's stories that have proved that. You can do without food for several days. But the length of time goes greatly shorter whenever you talk about water. Our bodies cannot survive for days up days and days upon end without water. But what's coming in this third trumpet is affecting the water system of humanity. The fresh fountains, the, the, the rivers, the ponds, if you will, all of the fresh water is being affected. So that's going to impact then the survival of mankind. And what happens, folks? What happens when something that people's lives depend upon becomes scarce? You'll find people start to war and bicker and fight then. Mm-hmm. Over what they deem is going to keep them alive. You're not going to get it. I'm going to get it. You die today. I live another day. You understand. You understand the mayhem. You see how things are just stacking up. Chaos is coming. Yet the Antichrist come with his message of peace in it. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of mayhem. There's a lot of things going on. And the Bible says, and it plainly says in verse 11, very plainly, many men die of the waters. Many men die of the waters. Now, say, Brother McGee, here's one of the reasons why I think it's important to take the Scriptures literally. You know, I have a lot of resources. I read a lot of different. I don't just read people that think like I do, okay? I, I, I try to be a, a sharpened sword. I read everything. I read all kinds of garbage. And uh, as a result of that, I see a lot of stuff and opinions of people. And someone has symbolized these trumpets that they have made the sea and the ships and different things that we've seen to represent various organizations or systems of men. Some of them, they want to even represent men. Yet here, per se, in this trumpet, third trumpet, men are specifically named, explicitly given here and singled out separate from the sea separate from if you will the ships and so that's just another reason that causes me to believe brother mason that these things are interpreted literally because if a ship or the sea already represented men why did he still single out men in the terminology and the verses of scripture so we must look at it i believe literally uh, the fourth trumpet we're going on we're doing good we're going to do all right i think amen fourth trumpet at least i feel like it i expect something good amen nothing going to happen amen uh, fourth trumpet verse number 12 what took place and this sounds similar to something that already took place in the sixth seal but the bible says we have now a distinctive part uh, the lights if you will are smitten Somebody didn't pay the light bill. <laughs> the lights are smitten. 
a third of the sun <laughs> hallelujah i hope you're laughing because it that hasn't happened to you <laughs> amen i'm just joking sister brenda i know you i'm just, I'm just talking okay a third of the sun was smitten a third of the moon was smitten a third of the stars were smitten so all these lights are darkened so in essence what's taking place as you see in the scripture verse 12 the sun did not shine for a third part of the day so normally when there would be light there was not light from the sun and same with the night normally when there would be still uh, you know the, 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 the moon uh, shining for the part of the night a third part of the night the moon did not shine in the night and so again we've seen something very similar happening in the sixth seal remember the, the sun the sun as it were turning uh, the sun being dark and the moon turning to blood you remember that in the sixth seal some of those happenings and some people and I know we reasoned before and I'm just trying to keep us all sharp we reasoned before you know well this and this that happened there that happened there maybe they all line up and so they're all in the same timeline but again folks if God wanted to why couldn't he darken the moon and the sun one time let it come back to light and darken it again another time who say that God can't do that just because he darkened it once he can't cause it to shine and darken it again later Matter of fact, imagine the type of false hope that would give to people. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got this darkness. And then all of a sudden, it's just normal, and it's light, and all of a sudden, it's darkness. That started messing with your mind just a tad. But I believe that even prophet Isaiah had a handle on some of these occurrences. Again, the Bible doesn't say, again, we, these trumpets, we don't know how long the third part of the sun and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars were going through this type of influence. We don't know how long. We don't know. There is nothing spoken of concerning the how long, days, months, or years. We do not know. But prophet Isaiah, I think, had a little bit of a handle. He said, behold, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, bow with wrath and fierce anger, delay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light the sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine again why God why all this turmoil why all these judgments why all these celestial signs why is all this taking place I believe John tells us I think to a certain degree what's going on he said, and this is the condemnation, the judgment. He said, the light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. In a spiritual sense, they clamored for evil deeds and darkness. God says, I give it to you in a natural sense. That's what you desire, that's what you get. Amen, because they love darkness rather than the light. And so the things that God brings in judgment, these items that he brings upon his people, he brings upon them. And think here for a moment. Sun, moon, stars, some of these celestial bodies. Look at this now. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel had a problem. Other nations served other gods. A lot of their gods were, they served the grass, mountains, forest, moon, stars sun and so the very things that Israel has exalted themselves as gods <laughs> kind of like Romans chapter number one whenever he said they, they, they gave more honor and glory to the creature 
than they did the creator. They honored more the created things, sun, moon, stars, grass, trees, water, than they did the creator. God says all those things that people are worshiping, Israel, that have knowingly worshiped, he says, I'll show them who's in control of those things. They think they got power to exercise on their behalf and for them, but watch what happens whenever I control what they think controls their life. Who's God? Who's the Lord of glory in all of this matter? And we see this time and time again. For instance, in 2 Kings 23 and verse number 5, the Bible says, And he put down the idolatrous priests, this is Josiah doing this, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places, in the cities of Judah, in the places round about Jerusalem. We're talking about the nation of Israel here. Them also that burned incense unto Baal, look, they burned it to the sun, to the moon, to the planets, and to all the host of heaven. What's happening in this day? Josiah, Hilkiah the priest has just brought the law of God to Josiah. That book's been folded up and lost for several years. But they bring it to Josiah. The scribes read it. Josiah understands, boys, we've not been living like we should have been living. The house of God is in disarray. We've not been serving like we should to serve. And he started to clean things up. He started to break down the altars of false gods, started to tear all this stuff down and reacquaint himself with the law. And so all these celestial bodies that they used to worship, he says they got to go the, the, because they're, they've been burning incense to the moon, the sun, and the stars. Folks, it brings me a different appreciation, I guess, for in the New Testament scripture then, whenever Jesus walks out in his humanity in the New Testament and he states these words and he says, Behold, I am the light of the world. It brings me a new appreciation because while they're serving the moon, the stars, and the sun, he steps out and said, wait a minute, you have greater lights and lesser lights, but let me introduce you to the ultimate light. Behold, I am the light of the world. What's he doing? He's vying for their attention. He's wanting them to shift their worship and realize how much more he was than what they had or what they were revering. Amen. If we look back over these trumpets just very quickly and consider something J.B. Smith considered, he said, it is of considerable interest to note the progress. One-third of the grass, of the green trees and grass, destroyed. One-third of marine life, shipping, taken out. One-third of the waters, Fresh waters, one-third of the heavenly bodies, sun, moon, and stars, all taken out. He says, look the progression. He said, food is destroyed. The distribution by the ships is crippled. Even the waterways, for that matter. The water supply for mankind is limited. The production is hampered. Why? Because the sun, moon, and stars in their orbit and this, their control of time and seasons and light all then has to do with the production of all of that. And we're just in the trumpets. We're just in the trumpets. And the Bible kind of closes the scripture, and I'm heralding to a close. I really am, folks. The last verse, the angel comes speaking, woe, woe, woe. And it's basically saying, hey, we've had four trumpets come. There are three others to come. All right? And if you thought the first four trumpets were bad, you wait till the last three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. For one, folks, and we'll look at it next week, 
by and large, most of what took place with the first four trumpets coming upon the earth, coming upon the heavenlies, coming upon the water, indirect, indirect consequences for humanity. The last three trumpets comes directly, more so than not, upon humanity. The greater woe, if you will, the trumpets. At first, touch everything that they touch, but later, touch them. It's almost the Job story. You know, touch what he has, but then he's touched. Well, that's flipped aside then for the wicked in the last days. Touch everything that's around them they depend upon, that they have, but the last three trumpets, the woe, woe, woe. <laughs> and maybe they'll be thinking that in that term, whoa, 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 a different woe. It's going to be affecting their lives in the last three trumpets that we'll focus more on in the weeks to come. If you'll stand with me tonight. That was, we're still talking about the seventh seal. See, there's, there's a reason why I couldn't put the seventh seal with the seven seals because the seventh seal is still continuing because there's more trumpets and there's more vials and they're all contained as it seems to appear in Scripture in the seventh seal. Amen. And so that's where we'll leave off. If you want to read something for next week, week read chapter number nine. Got a few more verses. Let me tell you, we're doing pretty good to knock off a chapter here and there, but I'm just going to just warn you ahead of time. Like when we get to like Revelation chapter number 13, we talk about a beast on the earth and the beast out of the sea, and we talk about Revelation chapter number uh, 17, we're going to have to slow down. We won't, we, I'm not here to discourage, but I'm not here to make you lighthearted and think we're clicking it off. Whenever we get to those chapters, we're going to have to slow down and take some time more with a, a couplings, couplets of verses uh, to go through to grasp what's being said. But at this stage, we'll be done maybe before next summer. Amen. And we're feeling good about that. Feeling good about that. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.